0: This is an Area Code Podcast.
1: Hi, I'm Amy Simmons.
0: And I'm Crispin Mayfield. And welcome to the Attached to the Invisible podcast. reading attachment, and it's like, oh, this is what healthy relationships are supposed to be like, but this doesn't, like, fit with, like, what I was taught in church growing up. Yeah. Which leads to uh, dismissive uh, and avoidant attachment uh, and spirituality relationship with God.
1: Yeah, which is often non-relationship
0: with Mm, God, God.
1: or we would describe it as non-relationship with God. I actually... Um, theoretically do not believe that we can actually opt out of relationship with God. Mm. Um, Just because I think God would have to opt out, and I don't think that they do. Uh So, Right, yeah. I think that that's that's an idea that we have of something we can do, and I don't actually think it's an option, but Mm -hmm. we can get to that later. I'm right there with you. Yeah, yeah, Kristen, what do you think are some of the underlying – theologies that build into an avoidant dismissive mm. um, relationship with God. Cause I have a lot of thoughts on how this manifests. Right. Um, yeah.
0: Well, I, and I think that there are a lot of different ways that when we talk about, um, I think that there is the like, um, avoidant or dismissive of relationship with God.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: which I think is beautifully, uh, summed up in kesha's song him (laughs) (laughs) it's like the perfect uh,
1: could you sing a little of that no but
0: (laughs) uh, she says something uh she says like um uh i know that i'm perfect even though i'm fucked up uh don't need to be forgiven uh what is it like don't care about heaven don't care if i get in uh because i know that i'm good enough something like that mm-hmm. right and basically it's this idea i was going to look it up on my phone but didn't uh, and butchered them but basically no, this idea it. of like i don't need you like i'm fine right and i don't care if you like don't let me into heaven because like i don't need you which is like a very which dismissive a bold
1: statement if <laughs> right. you believe in heaven to be like yeah. i don't need to get into heaven what
0: <laughs> right yeah that's true interesting um yeah I've known people. Uh, one person that I'm married to, oh, that is like, if God is going to send, we're getting to the her- heretical line here. If God is going to send all these like Muslim refugee women that I know have just suffered, uh huh, right, because they didn't grow up in America with like American evangelicalism. If he's going to torture them forever, I would rather be with them than in heaven. Yeah. Um. So I don't know if that's like. What a
1: beautiful person you're married right, to. Yeah,
0: she's great. Yeah, so I think there is that piece of like um, getting to like not wanting a relationship with God. I also think that there is a, a type of spirituality that that helps us uh, dismiss our emotions. Yeah. So I think those are like two separate things. Which should we tackle first?
1: I think. Ooh. I think we should tackle a type of spirituality that aids us in dismissing our emotions, because I think mm. we'll get to more uh, kind of the theologies with that, and then we can break uh-huh. off into why those might lead, because I do think it's the same theologies that mm. ultimately lead people to, to attempting to leave a relationship with uh-huh. God. I remain, right. it's impossible, but.
0: Right. Attempt, right. You make God sound like he's holding hostages. <laughs> but with love. <laughs> <laughs> I, but that's, I think, uh, I mean, I hold my children as hostages. I yeah, right. You're not letting run them run away. Are you? Right. Yeah. No, I'm like the, the mother bunny. You can't um, keep,
1: it's like the, you can't kidnap your own kid thing. Right. So.
0: Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, I think, um, you know, there's this big uh, thing. My friend KJ uh, talks about how, I, I think this is the phrase that she hates. Uh, <laughs> something about, like, faith over fear. Um, I've heard that one, yeah. Right, yeah. But this idea of, like, uh, truth versus feelings. Yes. Right? And I think that plays out a lot where it's like, I, I want to dismiss my feelings anyway, right? This is yeah. really natural to me. But then the Bible um allows me to uh the the term i think is spiritual bypass um dr Mm -hmm. jesse fox recently did an interview on the christian mental health podcast about this okay but basically like imagine that i have a dismissive style anyway where i'm like yeah i don't feel anxious about this right like or like i don't care if you know this is gonna happen um and then you can be like and i don't care because jesus told me not to worry
1: Because Jesus Jesus is giving me peace. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I also think about... what I would um, guess is an oft misused scripture but Uh you hear quoted a lot which is um, the heart is deceptive above all things.
0: Yes. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um,
1: I remember being rocked in um, Brad Harper's theology class at Multnomah University back in the day Uh and he made this statement and all of us were so mad because we had heard this our entire lives. Mm -hmm. right? We're all like yes the heart is deceptive above all things and he was like if you're fallen... (laughs) Uh what makes you think your brain is any less fallen than your heart uh what makes you think Mm. your logic is any less fallen than your emotions Mm um and i thought that that was super powerful Uh and still do yeah um i I don't necessarily land on the like having much of a conversation about humans being fallen Uh thing at this point but i think the idea that like um, the idea that logic is any more flawed than emotion, right. but is specifically something we've we've taught in the church, mm-hmm. um, and people draw all sorts of um, deeply, deeply um, harmful and bigoted conclusions from that as mm-hmm. well. If we talk about like homophobia in mm-hmm. the church, people are drawing what they believe to be like really logical lines on uh-huh. why they would be like non-affirming, um, right. and also like people are looking at and translating and interpreting scripture and I do think people come to non-affirming stances through um like thoughtful consideration of scripture Mm -hmm. I also think people come to really um beautiful thoughtful considered Mm -hmm. affirming stances through consideration of scripture um not to necessarily elevate one of those above the other Mm -hmm. but I think there there's often this like you know you you hear it and it's crazy because it's like it's an offhand comment, but that people use as real theology, which is like well God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, and right. it is out of this like, well there's just a logic like mm-hmm. logically this is what has to be right right um and forming theologies out of our logic right um out of our very deeply limited human logic. Uh Uh-huh. And then when we hold those up, there's no space for someone to go, I mean, I I can't tell you the number of times I've been like, I'm uncomfortable with this. Mm -hmm. And having gotten some response of like, that's how you know it's true.
0: Right. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. That is one of my least favorite things. Yeah. um, Is when people, yeah, do that thing. Um... And I think that there's room for talking about things that we find uncomfortable, but yeah, I think that yeah, that uh,
1: what else are we doing here? Right. If we're not okay talking about things that are uncomfortable. Right, yeah.
0: yeah. but I mean, it's uh, someone recently uh, told me something like, "I just can't imagine." And also, I'm sorry for queer folks that are listening that have heard this before. That this is probably bringing back a lot of damaging conversations. Yeah. Um, but yeah, someone recently said, I, I just can't imagine that God would ever be glorified by two men being sexual with each other, which is like totally within your imagination. You're in your emotions and like disgust is an emotion and that's what you're experiencing Uh and you have an experience of disgust that then you come up with a reasoning behind Mm -hmm. the theological reasoning. It's a
1: rationalization of...
0: Um, what you're feeling of
1: what you're feeling that we then turn into a truth which is one of I think our favorite moves Mm -hmm. um, in evangelical theologies is like I had a feeling so I turned it into a fact and now it's what God says Mm -hmm. Um, and it's I mean I don't I don't know what denominations you think would fall more into this. I remember we talked about like kind of charismatic with the more ambivalent, Mm -hmm. like emotionally driven. You would not see nearly as many of Mm -hmm. of these kind of ideas in a charismatic church. Um, Right,
0: yeah. But it
1: is, yeah, kind of more like I think churches that describe themselves as like Bible Bible churches mm-hmm. specifically, right, is like right. what we're saying we're doing is taking the word at it at face value, mm-hmm.
0: um,
1: and some of the theologies that come out of taking poetry at face value.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So I think one of the things that um, that comes up around this. So yeah, like truth versus emotion. Yep. Right, and I think another thing that happens is uh, if we have a theological system, uh, or, or rather, there are people that have theological systems that helps them avoid emotional suffering. Yes. For example, John Calvin, okay. uh, argued that uh, the injustice, the the economic injustice uh, that that occurred in his um, city. Uh, was ordained by God. Yes. So if you believe that, then you don't have to feel bad mm-hmm. about this. It's it's not, it's really this way of saying like, well, that's the way that it's supposed to be.
1: Yeah. And I do, what's interesting mm-hmm. um, is that I, I, I do think that people find that quite comforting. Mm-hmm. Um, well, people who feet, fit neatly inside of it find right. it quite comforting. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. Of like, um, Whatever, uh, baby Graham who <laughs> said uh-huh. that you know the reason for Hurricane Katrina was because of sin in our country, right? Uh-huh. Um, first of all, what and whoa, but also, um, yeah, people, I think people appreciated it, mm-hmm. uh, right? Because it, it does um, give us an avenue outside out of our discomfort. And often, what else are we going to God for mm-hmm. if not to experience comfort, mm-hmm. right? That's a, a really primary reason people seek out relationship with the divine. And so um, for, for meaning-making,
0: uh-huh. right? For comfort right. and
1: meaning-making. Uh-huh. Um, so it makes a lot of sense that we would form a lot of avoidant and particularly dismissive mm-hmm. um really i think that that word fits really nicely in right. a lot of uh-huh. these ideas particularly i'm a little more hesitant to like label people as dismissive uh-huh. just because
0: i like calling it dismissive spirituality yeah but like, who
1: boy do i think churches can be uh-huh. dismissive right Totally. Um, i think about a lot of um forgiveness theologies too mm-hmm. Um. I think have a really, I mean, people, survivors of of sexual abuse,
0: um,
1: and physical abuse, but a a lot of survivors of sexual abuse in the church will, will talk about having experiences of like, okay, just go forgive them. Mm -hmm. Um, I read an article by a woman recently who was talking about going to biblical counseling as a teenager Mm -hmm. whilst she was being abused by a parent, um, and getting the message of like, well, you just need to forgive. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, right, and how much is... that is specifically ex- – the narrative we've built up of forgiveness mm-hmm. exists to um, dismiss our feelings of discomfort, right. the person preaching to us experiences of discomfort, and the need to deal with a situation, which ha- which mm-hmm. how deeply avoidant that portion is, right? right? We dismiss in order to avoid, uh-huh. <laughs> right?
0: Yeah, right. Um yeah, I a little while ago um heard a sermon preached about emotions. Mm-hmm. Um but and it was about how God can handle our big emotions. Mm-hmm. And then like three fourths of the way through the sermon towards okay. the end. All right. <laughs> it was like he he was talking about like here's this bad thing and this bad thing and this bad thing. And it was like, but we have to remember that this person isn't going to be dead forever. They'll be resurrected. This thing isn't going to be bad for it, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was just this, like, it was like, e- I could tell that this person that was talking about emotion was like, I can sort of go there for a little bit, mm-hmm. but I can't stay there for like, I need to like wrap this up in a way mm-hmm. that makes it okay. And like, let's go of this yeah. like negative emotion. My
1: tolerance for it is very low.
0: Right. Um,
1: yeah, and I think we build an incredible number of theologies up around that idea, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I always think of, um, I think a good example, right, is the book of Job,
0: uh-huh.
1: <laughs> right? If we want to look at, like, a bunch of dismissive people.
0: Right, uh-huh. <laughs> um, Yeah, well, that's it. It's like, you must have, like, you're suffering. You must have done something wrong. And if that's yep. true, then I don't have to feel empathetic.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna shut myself off from my empathy for this situation. Right. And what I always find to be the deep counter to this, I had a conversation recently where I just sort of landed on like, no, everything's bad though. Um, right now, in this moment, everything's bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and having, you know, a lot of people be like, well, it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Or like me telling them something that I was going to do about it and then be like, well, that's great. I'm like, no, it's not great. Mm-hmm. It's not. Stop it. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, I think I've kind of learned to, to like
0: uh-huh. defy
1: dismissiveness at this right. point in my life. I think if we want to take the Bible at its value and at what we're told – then we live in a deeply fallen world. Mm -hmm. So the idea that we can um, slap something onto a situation Mm -hmm. and everything's going to be okay is like antithetical to the narrative of the Bible. Mm -hmm. Um, And the older I get, the more (laughs) more space there is for things to be so much more complicated. Mm -hmm. Um, Crispin talked about when we were, introing avoidant dismissive of the idea that like i'm good you're bad
0: <laughs> uh-huh.
1: right as kind of the stance of yeah. it um and the church is really great at preaching this idea that like good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad mm-hmm. people and if bad things do happen to good people um then it's because there's a really bad person <laughs> around uh-huh. right um because we oversimplify the stories that we're reading in the bible whereas i think right. if we take it as a sum total we go yeah the world wound up really broken.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And sure, yeah, like things will be different someday, but like that's not that's not the moment we're being asked to live in. We're not Mm -hmm. we talk talk about people being um two two of the next world or Uh whatever that like very churchy phrase is. Uh Um, which I often don't jump on board Mm. with any really churchy phrases, but Uh I think is a good response to to people with this avoidant dismissive spirituality, right? Right. Yeah. (laughs) Is like, hey, no, like mm-hmm. we gotta be and like like in Joe, it's like, you gotta go sit in the dirt with people. Uh-huh. Like that's what that's actually like the whole thing we're doing here. Mm-hmm. right? If we're doing anything at like if we do one thing on earth as people, who are connected and serving a God, mm-hmm. it's sit in the dirt with other people.
0: Right, yeah. <laughs> That's,
1: like, the one thing mm-hmm. um, but that so, I can say is really clear. Right, <laughs> you know? yeah.
0: But so much of what we do with the Bible is we try to pull people out of the dirt. Yeah, Right? Absolutely. It's like, yeah, you shouldn't feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, even thinking, I was, it just struck me recently, you know, angels and Jesus – often say don't be anxious don't be afraid yeah but i don't think that they're saying don't feel what you feel (laughs) i think they're actually comforting the people like i see you feel this way don't worry about it which is like not the same as like stop you know when jesus says don't be anxious he's comforting us he's not telling us that we're sinning if we're anxious
1: well and specifically i think if you look at a lot of the scriptures where there's those phrases come up
0: mm-hmm. you'll
1: see that it's to call people into a relationship that that mm. statement is being made mm-hmm. right it's not like don't be anxious it's like well i'm i'm here don't don't be anxious like come come into this relationship
0: with me right, yeah. right? not
1: like don't be anxious okay bye <laughs> right, right yeah which is often how we use that right? It's like, well, right god says don't be anxious end of conversation it's like right. well, no actually that's not
0: mm-hmm. all
1: you're, right. you're misquoting the good Lord, uh-huh. <laughs> and that's a problem.
0: Right? Yeah, and we do that with uh our um my pastor this last Sunday was talking about um grief. Uh huh. As we were talking about in yeah. our little interim, and but he said, you know, if you Google like grief in the Bible, like every good pastor does when they're uh-huh. going to preach on grief. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's like fifty verses to comfort the grieving. Yeah. And the idea is that if you can give a Bible verse, right, then it will help the person not you like pull them out of their emotion. Yeah. It's this way of of avoiding this difficult emotion. Yeah. And I think that there is hope and there is resurrection. Um but there is, we have to move through the emotion rather than around it. So I think both yeah. are important, right? But we just yeah. we want to jump ahead to to the resurrection. I was, when,
1: yeah, I was gonna say we we don't we don't get there. Right, we just right. Like, but we're like
0: living in a in a good Saturday world. Yeah, right. And we we yeah, there are elements of like Easter Sunday, yeah. but there's also a lot of sadness.
1: Yeah, there is, and I think we are, when we we preach out those sort of theologies, we're forgetting things like, you know, free the prisoner, right? Right. Or we're forgetting, like, run a good race, or we're forgetting, Mm -hmm. you know, like, the amount of encouragement that exists. In scripture, that's uh-huh. deliberately linked to interacting with pain and discomfort, mm-hmm. right? Into moving into instead of away from others' pain and discomfort is right. actually um, a lot of the guidance and wisdom and encouragement we're given through scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, but those conveniently
0: <laughs> right.
1: lose their way. <laughs>
0: uh huh. Yeah. One thing that stands out to me when I think about. Um when I think about dismissive spirituality I do think a lot about uh like systematic theologies because yeah. it's this very left brain logical like here's the way everything works there's an answer for everything yeah. right um and I think the worst example of this is um so there's this book called the evangelical universalist um Ooh. so it's about heaven and hell um and the afterlife um and what one of the things that he does is he looks at um how have people dealt with the joy of the redeemed, mm-hmm. so um if I am saved and my son is not yeah right, um how can I be happy forever, yeah. knowing that he is being tortured forever yeah um and there are two main theories: one is you will forget about that that person ever mattered to you, yeah, <laughs> which just you know
1: oof. Uh
0: The other uh, better one is that um, you will no longer see that person as a son, but you will see them as a wretched enemy of the savior that you love and you will rejoice in their torture.
1: Holy cuss words.
0: (laughs) Right. So, and I... I mean, I don't know if that's exactly uh, fits with like dismissive spirituality, but it's sort of this y- you'd idea. you have to, you'd have right? to be dismissing a lot, that's wouldn't you? That's true, right. Well, that's the thing is like, yeah, it's like you have to like dismiss, like you have to find ways around, right? Like it'll be fine. Like you won't feel those emotions. You won't feel, right? It's like everything will be okay. Jesus will take care of it all. And you can't actually engage with like, what does it mean to feel so emotionally invested in another person? And Yeah. <laughs> so anyway.
1: I'm just really right. I'm really caught up over here. Right.
0: Tying into that. Um so with this systemic theology piece, um, is that the research um some of the attachment research so shows that um if we have a rigid cognitive structure, right? Yeah. So we have a rigid way of thinking about an idea, the world, etc. cetera. Yeah. Um, In order for us to change that, um, we have to be able to enter into our own emotional experience and the emotional experience of others, right? Yeah, okay. So, um, for example, um, if I, like, thinking about me and recognizing my own, like, white supremacy and upbringing, Mm -hmm. right, and my own racism, right, like, probably the beginning of that was actually entering into the story of someone who's not a white male. Yeah, Right. But if I can't afford to do that because I'm scared of emotions, because stepping into your shoes might produce some emotions in me that don't feel good. Then I'm just going to cling to this rigid idea that things are the way that they are or should be or whatever. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and so it's really interesting to look then at um, within the church. And there's this broad spectrum. But um who are the people that have a hard time that really cling to this rigid black and white theology. Yeah. Um, and there is something certainly to be said for, um, holding scripture as an authority. Yeah, um, of course. But what I often see is like, here are people that are so, um, unable to step into the shoes of someone else or even like step in their own yeah. experiences. Right. Um, that would allow them to say like, maybe there's another way of looking at this.
1: Yeah. And I think um, one thing I'm just reflecting on as we maybe move towards talking about people who respond to that avoidant dismissive Mm -hmm. um, relationship with God in a different way um, is how often, I think I was seventeen. The mm. first time someone told me that the Bible didn't actually have the answer to everything,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and that is like, yeah, there's there's wisdom outside of this book uh-huh. that you can find. Um, right, and I was like, oh yeah, I guess that makes sense, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, and it took until I was 17 years old in the entire church for anyone to have, mm-hmm. for anyone mm-hmm. to give me that idea because how incredibly dangerous to give that idea to children. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, we, and I have a problem with the way that we treat kids just overall. Mm-hmm. Um, right. This is a big problem as a person who does um sex and he- healthy relationship education with middle schoolers that mm-hmm. I just like have an enormous issue mm-hmm. um with the idea that we aim to keep information uh-huh. from young people um mm-hmm. rather than giving them an understandable version of that information. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um I just have a just just unbelievably yeah. large problem with that and I think mm-hmm. it creates a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically right i right. know a lot of folks who have left the church um mm-hmm. because they were told that the the bible had all of the answers to all of the everything mm-hmm. and that the interpretation that they were offered was the answer to everything mm-hmm. logic answer right. um, there's no such thing as contextualizing scripture to the times uh-huh. right like what it says is what it means Except for some of that stuff about like polyester mixes. We're going to ignore that Mm because that's not what it meant, but the next scripture is. Um, And we're going to do this, and you need to believe it and very like logical. and people who grew up to – I always talk about, like, throwing the baby out with the bathwater, right? Mm-hmm. You give people bad information, and you mm-hmm. say, like, this is linked up with all of this. They uh-huh. have no choice but to throw it all out because mm-hmm. you lied to me about that, so you must right. have. Uh-huh. Um, and I think that that is often where the, like, I'm good, you're bad relationship to religion comes in. Uh-huh. Right? Is like, right. well, you were given bad religion, um, so I right. get where you got that from. Right. Um, but – God, God is the baby with the bathwater. God's bigger than, and better than a baby. No offense, babies. Um, but right is like, well, I can't have God because what I was told God was is a whole lot of bullshit. Um, mm-hmm. And so I watch a lot of The Good Plays. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way Perfect. they cuss on that show. It's uh-huh. fantastic. Um, right. And so we have to... Have a visceral response, right? Mm-hmm. I actually need to have a contentious relationship to right. this thing that I was told was all of the answers. Uh-huh, yeah. um I've actually had some experiences as an adult, where as a person who continues to attend evangelical church, whilst mm-hmm. deeply struggling with it at times, because um, maybe that's just the destiny I've chosen for myself—is mm-hmm. to be a person who does things while feeling very <laughs> torn about them. Uh-huh. Um, I've I've interacted with a number of people who were like basically like I left the church because I'm smart so what's your problem mm-hmm. <laughs> right like right yeah and um even even recently had a pretty distinct experience of, of someone all but telling me I was dumb mm-hmm. um and some of the language that was you used and I was uh <laughs> just caught off guard because uh-huh. I grew up in such an environment where it was like no people who don't go to church or dump- wait no i don't believe right, that either uh-huh. uh, right, <laughs> really yeah. sort of brought up some weird some weird yeah. stuff uh-huh. um and and i think that you see a lot of people you see herds and herds and herds of, of young people who were raised evangelical mm-hmm. what, what there's even a term for it now exvangelical right yeah, yeah um yeah. right you see a lot of these folks who who have a like combative relationship Mm -hmm. with the idea of, of God or spirituality or anyone who, who chooses to continue to, to engage in evangelicalism, Mm -hmm. um, which dang, if I don't get right. Right. Like if I'm hanging out with your abusive dad, like, no, you probably shouldn't like me. Like Uh I get that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) honestly, Uh um, that, that does hold water. Right. And as a person who continues to go to church, kind of going like, what?
0: Um,
1: but yeah, I think I think you do get into this like a quite dismissive attitude about the potential value, uh-huh.
0: and I have
1: a really hard time with people doing that as. Um person who works with people Mm. because of the deep deep value of having a spiritual life right right? the deep well-studied well-founded value Mm -hmm. because i personally am of the belief that we are inherently structured Mm. to have a spiritual life Mm -hmm. i do not believe that you are inherently structured to have an evangelical spiritual Uh life um i happen to be like aggressively open about all of the ways that I think that you right. can interact um, uh, <laughs> just, right. just bouncing back to your yeah. comments on uh, evangelical universalism which um, right. doesn't sound like universalism at all but um, <laughs> yeah just just coming to a place of going like we've we've harmed Mm-hmm. Like all all of these folks who, who feel like they have to tap out of spirituality right. have been deeply harmed. And a lot of people have gone on to find it in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people wind up coming back because I I do think our spirits are an inherent portion of who we are as people. Mm-hmm. So you'll see people who, you know, it's very trendy for, for ex-evangelicals to move towards Buddhism, mm-hmm. which has um, maybe some appropriative tendencies that we should be aware of when we're yeah. exploring other um spiritual practices i don't think if you're a white person born in the united states that evangelicalism or catholicism are the only spiritual options for you i just Mm -hmm. um, encourage anyone to tread lightly Uh um when they're entering other Mm. like religious cultural Mm. environments um or a lot of people interacting with like meditation Mm -hmm. in a new way which is something that a lot of um, particularly a lot of like Bible churches um, would really discourage um, even though there's a long-standing practice of meditation Uh um, that honestly probably moves us deeply towards earned attachment Mm -hmm. with a living God um, to just kind of spend time and be um, (laughs) and kind of allow like Uh I actually think that I don't always have ideas for how I think we move towards our detachment yeah. with God, but I, I think meditation is probably a quite powerful one. Yeah,
0: I think that um, that meditation um, and other practices of just being, yeah. right, rather than being in a in a valuation state, which is what <laughs> church often is, yeah. like, am I good? Uh, Am I close? Like all these Mm -hmm. like evaluation
1: Showing up here to get spiritually scrubbed. Yeah.
0: The opposite of that would be like, oh, I'm just here. Um, And I think that that some of those practices can even communicate to our body. Yeah. That God loves us in his like unconditional love. Yeah. Um, Before we go a little bit further into people that have uh, that have tried to escape the kidnapper.
1: (laughs) uh, Uh, The great kidnapper. (laughs) Yes.
0: Uh, Question from Twitter.
1: Ooh, exciting.
0: Right. Uh, This is from Summer George. She asks, uh, from a developmental perspective of attachment, an avoidance avoidance style develops when a child's emotional needs and experience are not heard or responded to by their primary caregiver, leading to emotional slash relational inhibition. How do certain teachings about God contribute to this?
1: Oh yeah, that's
0: a good question. That's
1: a really good question. Okay, so if we're kind of focusing in because summer, correct? Is that okay? Summer. I think so. You asked a a good a good long gave us a nice context (laughs) for your question. Right. Yeah. So I'm trying to focus in on the actual uh, question itself. But if we're looking at um a lack of response to need.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And especially in response to like emotional needs, yeah, and
1: particularly emotional need, mm-hmm. but I do think certain theologies we offer set people up to feel like other types of needs have been um gone ignored, mm. right when we um I do think uh, even though i I would lean towards probably a lot of charismatic backgrounds uh-huh. um are more likely to develop an ambivalent attachment uh-huh. to God, one thing that I think. I think about is um, like healing practices mm-hmm. um, and beliefs and theologies. I remember um, I was once in a like Bible study full of people who were all, this was, I was like 16. This is mm-hmm. a, was a weird environment. I was 16 and in a Bible study full of 40 um, somethings uh-huh. who had all left different churches. Okay. And one of them was talking about, a, I know <laughs> it was a weird kid, teen. Um, one of the couples talked about how they um, left. The, they had, This was their second time leaving the church, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first time was because her sister was sick. Um, mm. And they were specifically told by the church the reason her sister was never healed was because they didn't have strong enough faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I do think there are things um, that mm-hmm. fit into that kind of like physical neglect that we can right. be taught of like if you pray hard enough. Uh-huh. God will listen. um, I think about my really good friend. her little boy was at daycare or um preschool. He's in preschool mm-hmm. now, um, and he came home. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is a Kenzie, I hope you're okay with me telling this story on this podcast because it was incredibly cute. um, but her little boy was like, "Um, my teacher said that God always listens." And then just immediately, one after the other, was like, "Um, so God, will you, I would like a rainbow. God's not listening, Mom. Just immediately. Uh (laughs) And I I do think that there are certain things we teach that are like, well, God's, um, when we teach kind of vending machine theology Mm -hmm. about God, we set people up for an avoidant Mm -hmm. attachment. Because we're going like, I could ask God for things, but he's not interested in listening to me.
0: Right. Right? Uh I think I've
1: experienced that. I'm like, God wants to listen to and bless other people, but he doesn't want to listen to and bless me.
0: Right. Yeah, right, exactly. so I'm going to stop
1: going to him with mm-hmm.
0: things. I'm going to
1: stop interacting with right. or relying on him.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm
1: just going to show up and do what do what God needs me to do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. Which would be another way of another dismissive a way of relating to God is like I'm going to do tasks. Yeah. But I'm not going to engage emotionally. Yep. Um, but that's that's a little aside. I think, um, I think that there's this way that preoccupied uh, ambivalent attachment can give way to uh, dismissive attachment with yeah. God. Okay. Um, and actually I see this with uh, partners It's called a burnt out pursuer where one partner is like, I'm trying really hard to connect with you mm-hmm. and I've been trying for 10 years and it hasn't worked. So now I'm going to shut down myself. I'm going to put up a wall. Yep. And that was my experience being as a teenager. Um, I was exposed to the charismatic in our little, uh, International fellowship as a missionary kid. Um, And that was it. It was all about like getting close to God. But after a while, I was like, I am really tired of trying so hard and it doesn't work very often. Sometimes I feel close to you, but mostly I don't. Um, So I'm just going to like kind of pretend like you're not there and I'm going to do the thing and I'm going to like go to Bible college and I'm going to like learn the stuff. Um, But I'm not going to like, I'm not going to keep pursuing you. Like, I don't really want to be close. Yeah. Or, or I, I do, but, like, I don't know how. I have so. no
1: idea what you're asking from me.
0: Right, Because everything yeah. I've
1: been told is, like, not working. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, and I think that that's a really common story for people who wind up leaving the church. Right, yeah. Right? It is, what did, what was the phrase you used? The burnt-out burnt burnt pers-
0: pursuer. Burnt-out
1: pursuer, uh-huh. yeah. And that comes back to things that we've talked about a bit before that has become really important to me in this conversation is the weird flip we've done Uh right Right, you know in in attachment the parent is the pursuer or Mm -hmm. is ideally right in secure attachment the parent is the pursuer is the secure base right that's always Um, available and that is god but the theology we teach is that we need to um, run after
0: Mm-hmm. It's God. like a moving target.
1: Yeah. Right. Or right. like, you know, that the conveyor belt theology. Right. Uh-huh. right. And I feel like I've, I've been at points in like in avoidant attachment to God. I'm like, I'm just going to sort of like idle, I guess. So I right. stay in the same place. Cause like uh-huh. running towards you feels exhausting and like, right. it's not getting me. I don't actually feel any closer. I just feel tired. Mm-hmm. So I'll just sort of <laughs> right yeah. take a, take a leisurely walk your direction. I'll make sure I'm not falling too far behind. Mm-hmm. Um, which has been an important thing for me in experiencing a more uh, meaningful attachment to God is mm. releasing, releasing, striving, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Just release, releasing my efforts to pursue right. um, a God who's already pursued me and has already shown up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a really good question. I didn't know we had questions from Twitter. I How know, incredibly yeah. exciting! I, I
0: asked about asked today. Uh, there's also one about uh, one about hell. Um and we are going to come back to that
1: later. (laughs) Are we not going to dip, dip deep into the universalist pond? Right. Yeah.
0: Um. And then, yeah, thinking about uh, someone else uh tweeted about um being closed off emotionally, God, and operating in self-reliance, and I think that there also is that. Um. uh, Uh. In fact, I would say particularly in um. Uh, a lot of like men's ministry stuff is like it's it's there's some stuff there that's like some emotional intelligence (laughs) got a little feelings right but i would say you know especially in the like 90s there's all this like we're gonna take paul's like military metaphors (laughs) and just like run with it right so it's all about toughing it out it's all about like it's like god is going god actually doesn't In some sense God doesn't care. Actually that makes me think.
1: Oh (laughs) Uh, what does it make you think of, Crispin?
0: That I think is a, a dismissive theology is one that teaches like God only cares about his own glory. In accomplishing his purposes which is a task uh-huh right and he god is like the cosmic boss it's not someone that you're like close to it's like yeah, you he, don't have
1: feelings about your boss you respect right. your boss
0: yeah exactly and you do the thing and you feel proud of yourself you feel accomplished right and oh, that's the boy, thing oh, is boy, like yeah. you tough it out god has this thing for you to do um i remember i talked to this guy uh i want to say like seven years ago who went to this conference um, And he was like, yeah, the conference is great. It was all about, he's like, whatever feeling you have, you just like push that away. (laughs) It was literally that, right? He's like, because... um," What? (laughs) Yes. He was like, because you just remember that this is what God wants you to do. And it doesn't matter how you feel. (laughs) Like, what's more? Like... Oh, my gosh. Right. Once you start looking for it, it's so apparent. I think we. Yeah. So, if if you, now that you're familiar with attachment styles, go and look up uh, John Piper speaks to the American Christian uh, Counselor Association. You promised you wouldn't. I know, in 2012. (laughs) Okay, first of all, it's very painful because for some reason. If you have
1: social anxiety, brace yourself. Yes,
0: the audience thinks that it's supposed to be funny. Uh, but John Piper does not know that it's supposed to be funny, so he's very bewildered and slightly annoyed that they're laughing at him as he's like talk telling serious things about himself. About his feelings. But if you take that to this to an aside, it's really interesting to look at Piper, and I'm not saying I know his attachment style, but he says things he says like, I'm a man that is short on compassion and long on systematic analysis. And I'm someone that uh, is. Uh, he said this is a, a bad thing that I feel pity for myself when I don't get the love that I think I deserve, which is a way of saying like I have this needy part of me that shouldn't be there.
1: Yeah, we don't. Right. The love, I yeah.
0: Well, yeah, it's okay. It's yeah, it's and it a lot made, of
1: value statements in there, pipes. Yeah, uh. it,
0: it really made me like sort of like you know sad, like. Yeah. Yeah, you can see, like, this is someone, like, as he's talking, like, he's fairly vulnerable. And what he's kind of saying is, like, I don't do emotions very well. And he also mentions, yeah. like, and I've been in therapy uh, with my wife for three and a half years because sometimes we don't know how to connect. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah. And which actually leads me to to think of another example of uh, dismissive spirituality that Ooh. is just uh, so right on the nose. Um Desiring God Ministries is John Piper's uh-huh. organization, um, which I'm partially familiar because um, we used to live like half a mile from that church oh, in Minneapolis.
1: Realized that yes. I didn't know they were in Minneapolis. Yeah, I knew you right. had been.
0: Yeah, um, and uh, they published uh, someone published an article, a blog through them or something called "The Sin of Empathy." Oh, what? Yep. And so basically what it is, is like, I mean, they sort of like nuance it and make it sound better. But basically what it's saying.
1: They make it sound better than what they titled it? Because yes. that's pretty harsh from the joke. Right.
0: Yes. Um, so I'm giving them a little bit of credit. but that's kind. Yes. It's just, I'm just trying to be generous. But basically they're saying, yeah, is like the problem in our culture is that people are empathetic. And they pit that empathy against truth. Ah, yes. Right? Which makes me also think about uh, Daniel's book is coming out in a couple of months, um, The Myth of the American Dream. And in it, she talks about um, the first slaves that are brought from Africa to Europe. Okay. So they're in Portugal, and there's this scribe, right? Um, And I forget what his name is, but there's sort of this term now, like the tears of the scribe is this story. Um and he saw like these people suffering. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and he starts crying, but then he thinks, but this is the way that God has ordained it. Um, so I shouldn't <sighs> be sad. And here it is, is like this religious information logical system mm-hmm. against our like human emotions. Yeah. And I think the church does that much too often.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, historically we've been very um, good at ascribing God's will to things, even like outside of scripture, which I think is Mm -hmm. baffling to me, right? Right, yeah. Um, Certainly you could read in scripture if you made a choice to a justification for slavery. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of intriguing debate about, that or like how slavery was different then or mm-hmm. which, which has its validities and also right. like there's it's okay lot. to think there were also bad things happening and right. that like maybe like you know Paul is flawed um that like that's okay like yeah. biblical writers aren't God yeah. um and I if think you that's important to, there's a
0: lot that you can make a case for <laughs> you
1: could the, the bible is full of words and if yes. you put them together in a certain order <laughs> you could argue for almost anything um mm-hmm. But, but to to see how often, yeah, again, that we, we're, we're quick to comfort ourselves with, like, mm-hmm. well, this must be what God wants. Um, I think about when someone experiences a miscarriage, for mm-hmm. example, and people speak about, like, well, you know, God just wanted him home sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, and how deeply, deeply atrocious, that is to say, t- mm-hmm. to a grieving parent. Right. Right. Um, because again, because we can't sit in that space, mm-hmm. right, um, Very, and we yeah. can't because we have an idea of God, and mm-hmm. I think that this is important, we have an idea of God as either fully uninvolved or fully involved mm-hmm. um, so when a child passes away, well, God chose it,
0: mm-hmm. so what
1: happens, deeply determinist to do right, yeah. um right, but god God has willed it, right, God uh-huh. has made that choice. Um, which I I don't really think is theologically sound, um, honestly, but if that's the information you have, Mm -hmm. um, and again, when, when you have folks reading scripture and kind of taking it at face value because that's what they've been taught to do, Mm -hmm. I very much see where people get that information from. Um, yeah, you're, you're very stuck because Mm -hmm. you can't disagree with God. Right. Like you, you can't, that is not an option you have. Mm -hmm. Um. And I've found a lot of freedom in – I think this is actually something you said to me, Crispin. Uh, I've found a lot of freedom in being willing to, like, experience any emotion with God and any Mm -hmm. feeling towards God. Mm -hmm. And I think the example Crispin gave me years ago – and he said it just offhand, like Crispin often does with wise and and thoughtful things. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But that you could just be like, it's okay to be disappointed in God. Mm -hmm. Like – He's right. okay. <laughs> uh-huh. right, yeah. um, and kind of realizing that and, and starting to like, I, I think that that was the first like real um, honestness. I started to integrate mm. into prayer to be like, I'm disappointed in you mm-hmm. because it turns out like how we feel about God doesn't change God.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: Um, God good. Um, It uh-huh. will continue to be good sort of right. regardless of how we feel about it. We're not mm-hmm. going to shift. Right. The space time continuum, um, mm-hmm. by being disappointed in God. And I think it comes back to um I think a lot of this avoid dismissive theology is based in kind of that respect stuff too of like, mm-hmm. Well, if you, you respect God, you don't tell right. God you, you don't tell God you're doubting, you don't doubt God. Mm-hmm. Right? Don't don't do that. Right. Um because that's disrespectful. Uh-huh. Um, which again, as though God could be disrespected. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, or, or mistreated. Uh-huh. Right. As that God is not so much like larger and more resilient than whatever right. petty complaint I might lodge.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Is And I, and I come back to that a lot. Right, I yeah. think with, as we talk about some of the, the theologies that lead to insecure attachment with God it right. is, is what a small view it is.
0: Yeah. Right. Totally. One of uh, the, one person that modeled this for me was uh, one of my favorite writers, Padre Gotuma. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, he has this little bit in his book, In the Shelter, where he talks about um, uh, how Adam blames God for the sin, right? He says, This woman you gave me. Right. And he just says, I figure if anyone can handle being blamed, it's God.
1: <laughs> like he doesn't
0: he doesn't say like an Adam like sinned or like yeah. did the wrong thing. He's like, Oh yeah, God can handle that.
1: If anybody can handle anything, it's certainly God. Right. Um
0: Yeah, that's that actually is one of the things that comes up with this dismissive spirituality is that um God is very um uh, he's okay with a lot of injustice and suffering and that yeah. helps us ha- find some comfort in like God willed it, but he's very easily offended by like our sin or like lack of faith yeah. or, you know, it's kind of a weird, like this, this God that's <laughs> like very, he's very, um. this God is, is very concerned about like himself, but he's not very concerned about others. Huh?
1: Oh, not very empathetic.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. In fact, um, the, uh, this guy, um, I'm trying to remember his name. One of the first reformed theologians, um, oh, what is his name? I want to say Carl Rogers, but that is not who. No, no.
1: that's, that's a whole his, other field of study. Right.
0: His first name is Carl. <laughs> okay. Uh, I guess there are a lot of Carls during this Carl. era. Carl, nope. I was um, going to do another yeah. psycho, psychoanalyst. <laughs> right. Carl Whitaker. Um, yeah. <laughs> And anyway, but he was, like, um, the f- one of the first more uh, reformed and sort of, like, reformed evangelical professors. Um, and uh, Doug Frank, in his book, uh, Gentler God, talks about the way that he talks, that um, God is talked about by this theologian. Yeah. And it's, like, uh, it's all tasks. He's, like, the creator of all things. He's the judge. Yeah. He's the ruler. Um, he's self-reliant. Uh, You know, and it's it's funny. I'm like, oh, well, this is like, these are all the ideals of like a a dismissive, avoidant person. It's like, I'm going to create a God in my image. Like, he just does stuff and he doesn't really need anyone else. Uh
1: Uh-huh. Well, and I think um, in moving towards maybe better theology on this is like, yeah, all that's true. Right. However... Oh, that's not the extent, right? Mm -hmm. And that's that's what's true of of God. I would argue, yeah, right. Is that yeah? God's good. Like (laughs) God's got it. God's secure. God Uh can handle anything I throw at him.
0: Right. Um,
1: And also, God wants relationship. God's Mm -hmm. moving towards connection. God's offering empathy. God's Mm -hmm. offering. comfort and love and acknowledgement right? right god's offering all of these things that that a good and loving parent offer
0: right, right? Um, yeah yeah he doesn't need us to meet his emotional needs he wants to meet ours which yeah. is what a securely attached parent does for their kids yeah this isn't about me i can take a step back and recognize what's going on with me yeah i'm here for you yeah. and sometimes that means like hey you're really frustrating me right now Or you hurt, you know, or, like, yeah, when you lie to me, it makes me wonder, like, why you don't trust me? Those are all fine conversations, but it doesn't become this whole, like, threat to, you know, as the secure parent. The secure parent doesn't get totally dysregulated.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's not a – and yeah, I think that it actually becomes this perfect metaphor for Uh the first time in the conversation. (laughs) Right. Right, that, yeah, God – Isn't isn't threatened,
0: right? Mm -hmm.
1: Um, because God's got it,
0: right? Yeah, God's good, Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: yeah, and He'll hold you hostage.
1: Yeah, He'll hold you (laughs) hostage with love.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So,
1: what are we talked a little bit about, like meditation? Mm -hmm. Um, do you have any other specific examples that you would want to give people on what it looks like to foster? earned attachment with God when you're coming from an avoidant dismissive.
0: Yeah. I was thinking about this. One One part I would say is, like, if you're solidly dismissive avoidant,
1: mm-hmm.
0: working with a therapist is going to be helpful. It's <laughs> um, hard, but helpful. Yes, right. Um, Someone um that is, you know, going to help you, because I hear this a lot with avoidant dismissive people is like, they'll be like I'm trying to feel my emotions but I don't know how. Yeah. And so having someone that can help you like understand what that means. <laughs> Whose
1: job is emotional navigation. Yes, yeah. Right.
0: But what I think uh two things come to mind that are good spiritual practices that I think can um move out of the the dismissive um uh one is reading uh, you know biblical narratives and putting yourself in the narrative, Mm. what would it be like to be this person is like a different way of approaching scripture. If you're used to like, what's the, what's the objective truth that I'm supposed to be yeah. taking from what's this passage. The,
1: what's the key verse that tells me what God's trying to tell me through this right, narrative? Right. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Um, you know, it's a very, it's a less systematic way. Yeah. I would also say lectio divina. Yeah. Because that's another way of of um, you are not trying to figure out like where does this fit systematically. Uh, you're actually like, what does this bring up in me? Mm-hmm. Right, it's a way of engaging that's that's not it's more right brain than left brain.
1: Can you explain what Lectio Divina is? Uh,
0: I can give it a shot. Um,
1: a brief just for the folks listening, yes, right. Amy, who only briefly remembers, (laughs) well, I say that because I'm
0: like I refer to it, but I don't know if I'm getting this right. (laughs) If as I remember it, it's like uh, actually, the way that Danielle describes it is you just read a verse and you look for the sparkles. (laughs) but she's
1: adorable i keep complimenting danielle but she deserves it so yeah
0: um it's she does it is uh really just um you know it's it's more of a mystical way of engaging with scripture and really it's just like looking at the text and being like what do I notice? Mm. What comes up in me in this moment? What are the words that stand out to me? Mm -hmm. Really? It's not about like objective truth. It's actually about like my personal interaction with this thing.
1: Yeah. Which could be hard for folks um, early, early in in doing this stuff. um, But is a really powerful to kind of reshaping the way Mm -hmm. that we interact, reshaping the muscles we use to interact with scripture and Mm
0: with,
1: um, Ways that we have of hearing God.
0: Right. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think another thing, um, too, that you've talked about is uh, starting to be vulnerable with people at church or, you know, in your spiritual community. Yeah. Um, I think that that's huge.
1: Yeah. And I I think that that is always something that I really advocate for because God does use people. Right. Like we we (laughs) (laughs) got... We we kind of like maybe discouraged that accidentally um, through this conversation because we're like you're not for tasks, um right. that's not your relationship right. to God is not tasks, um but one thing I have found like, uh I I've had some really powerful experiences with maybe is is why this but just sort of like releasing, um a little bit of control <laughs> uh-huh. through through just. Um, prayer that acknowledges other people's relationship with God, and especially mm. if you're in a place with your spirituality where you're really doing this, like, kind of, I'm good, you're mm. bad thing with mm-hmm. either God or with people who do not fit into your theologies, is mm-hmm. creating some space and acknowledgement for the mm. idea that other people have a living, a, a relationship with a living God. Mm-hmm. Um, has Yeah, has been a powerful experience for me to be like... Mm well, maybe I don't know, or I don't have language. And so, like, what does God, is God speaking to you on yeah, this? Have right. you felt something? Have you seen something? Uh-huh. I love and, that. and connecting that with the the emotional and experiential relationship with mm-hmm. God versus, like, well, what do you think the Bible says about this? It's not mm-hmm. a question I find myself asking. Mm-hmm. Um, what I, I do try and lean towards, right, is, yeah, like, well, what is your experience around this? Mm -hmm. emotion been or what what has been your um what's the narrative you're finding or just kind of connecting with that more emotional language with other people in that space Mm -hmm. especially if you're at all an extrovert um and a verbal Uh processor Mm -hmm. i think that and again being like really vulnerable with god in prayer uh, prayer can i think feel really awkward especially if you're feeling really disconnected from god (laughs) Mm because you're like who am I even talking to? What am right. I even doing? Uh-huh. I know a lot of people who are who are pretty stuck over in an avoidant dismissive. Who are uh-huh. like prayer is like no, doesn't even feel like an option. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um and I've i found that in times when I'm feeling more avoidant um with God that I, I've landed on just saying things like, I'm pissed at you. Mm-hmm. Right. that's what i've got mm-hmm. i'm disappointed i don't believe you i don't like and all of that's really negative um but uh-huh. the freedom that comes through i remember i used to <laughs> this is a total side note at this point uh-huh. but in college I, what i was taught was the like structure of a psalm right mm-hmm. is that you lodge a complaint but at, then at the end you're coming back to uh-huh. hope uh, and i would i would journal and pray like that for a mm-hmm. long time and mm-hmm. when i let myself stop Mm. um that changed some stuff um uh-huh. uh, even though i think it is kind of it's sort of the tendency of my spirit to like kind of land on hope and so i still yeah. kind of do that a lot i yeah. think it's one of the reasons why i started doing it was because mm-hmm. it really connected for me right. but just giving myself permission to end on like well i kind of hate you right now um mm-hmm. uh, which is a wild statement uh-huh. toward like even saying it right now <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i'm like right. oh i can't say that um right. But, yeah, being able to kind of exercise some of that honesty mm-hmm. and, fi- again, finding a spiritual community that you can exercise that honesty and be like, I don't know how I feel about any of this biz right now. Right, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I love that so much. And I think for me, that's part of it. Um, and I think kind of similarly a lot of times for me, it's like, well, I'm going to give you this time, but I'm not going to do the, like, I'm going to try to feel you or, like, yeah. you know, I'm just like, all right, well. If you want to talk to me, that's fine. <laughs> I'll make you do all Sometimes the
1: work. Sometimes more petty than others. Yeah, if you want to talk to me, yeah, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. Uh, Anything
0: else that you want to say about no. dismissive spirituality?
1: Just that I think, like, yeah, I think God is showing up and pursuing us. Um, mm-hmm. I think that that's just really important to me is that we can't actually opt out. Um, we can want to, and we can mm-hmm. try, um, mm-hmm. and we will come up wanting, mm-hmm. and it is worth your energy and your time to find um, something that works for you, mm-hmm. right? To, to yeah. find whatever your way through
0: mm-hmm.
1: that is.
0: Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and I think that there, as you're going through your life, if there are ways that you are noticing right? Things that are, um, I, I always like to go to like the Beatitudes, right? Mm. And like, think about the kingdom of God and how beautiful the kingdom of God is, right? The inclusion of outsiders, um, healing of broken hearts. Like Mm. if those are things that you're seeing, like, I think that's an experience of God. Mm -hmm. I think it can be, yeah, it's, I know for me in places in my faith, where I'm just, like, I can't do anything, like, that's at all similar to the kind of spirituality I've been doing. Yeah. Right? Just to have that freedom to be, like, well, then God will show up in other ways. Yeah. And that's fine.
1: Yeah, just the freedom to, I think, use what what does work, mm-hmm. right, is right. actually, I think, often a freedom we haven't been given. Mm-hmm. Um. If, if you are um, uh, among us and people raised in the evangelical church. Right, um yeah were often very discouraged from like cherry picking Mm -hmm. um the gospel um and not to encourage cherry picking the gospel um right but at the same time to say, like, if this is all that's working right now, mm-hmm. it's okay to plant yourself <laughs> right there and kind of foster some of that earned attachment in a space that is connective for mm-hmm. you and then grow out from there versus being like, right. I just have to try and find a way to take all of this on because that will fail, right? Mm-hmm. If you try and take it all on at once, take on every feeling at once, right. um, that's not going to play out mm-hmm.
0: well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, I'm excited to continue this conversation we um set this grand work so that um as we bring other people into this conversation mm-hmm. um that y'all have a framework for attachment styles yes and uh, and we'll just yeah keep going
1: keep going